for a couple of weeks, what we're going to talk about is this idea of baggage, lightening the load. We're going to talk a couple of things for a few weeks um, going out, but today we're going to talk about the baggage of our past and how that impacts us. I think the reality is that um, all of us have things in our past that we're not proud of. Can I get an amen? amen. Um, for some of us, it involves, it involves things, uh, decisions that we made. It involves choices that we selected. Uh, for others, it may involve something that was done to them. It may have to do with where you were raised. It may have to do with uh, the socioeconomic level of your family and what it you know, was when you were growing up. It may be the reputation of your family. You ever thought about how difficult it must be for people to come to Christ if, say, one of their parents has been a, um, you know, a well-known, say, a murderer or a, uh, a, a high-profile criminal? Ever thought about that? Most of us, though, have some kind of baggage some kind of baggage that weighs us down, that slows us down, and ultimately, most of us have some kind of baggage that can bring us to a halt if we're not careful. And so I want us to look at uh, three specific biblical figures that had baggage in their past. And we're going to find out that we're really not in that bad a company when it comes right down to it. I think... Um, yeah, I very strategically had had picked that last song, and and then when we had some change on, on who was going to be here and who wasn't going to be here, I really was thinking through. Uh, my goodness, you know, do I need to change that song? And I told these guys, I said, well, let's let's see if we can let's see if we can do it because, um, I just I just knew this fits with what God had put on my heart for us to to hear today. When it really comes down to it, um, our past. Really, the only person that matters when it comes to evaluating our past, looking at our past, and in any way being affected by our past is Jesus. He's the one that really matters. In fact, he's the only one that matters. Um, now, we know the reality of that things that we've done in our past, things that have been done to us in our past, things that we inherited by our name, um, whatever it is that's out of our past that affects us, it, it, oftentimes it affects us for the rest of our life. There is an impact that happens. You know, I was a, I was a, uh, a, a teenage high school dropout that got my girlfriend pregnant in their junior year. I have a 24-year-old daughter that is a result of that. You know, that's, that's Alexis. Well, that doesn't go away because that, that I made an ungodly decision in my past doesn't make the result of that go away. Thank goodness that, that turns out to be a, a blessing, but, but I can tell you that in the moment of that happening and having to communicate that, um, before, the, before the end result of a person in the form of our daughter came about, there was a lot of stuff that was that was bad, that was negative, that was hard, that was difficult. 
There are many things in our past and decisions that, that we've made or choices that we've made or uh, directions that we've, that we've decided that we were going to go and follow and, and people that we've been involved in and uh, all kinds of things in our past that can continue to have an impact on us today. But I want us to see today what God's view is of those things and, and how they affect us today and, and what effect He wants us to be able to experience or not experience from baggage. So if you've got a, if you've got a phone, if you've got a, a Bible, if you've noticed I'm putting less and less on the screens, I'm, I'm wanting you to actually go to it, find it. You know, if you like taking, having it on your phone where you can highlight stuff in it, that's fantastic. If not, you need to bring a Bible. You know, I'd be like going to school without a pencil and a piece of paper, you know. Don't be unprepared. So have something, all right? I want you to look at John chapter 1. John chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 45 and 46. I'm going to go through some of these and... and um, I want you to see these three biblical figures, three key ones that I picked out that I felt God put on my heart for you to be able to hear about to see what kind of company you're in if you have some baggage in your past as I do. John chapter 1, verses 45 and 46. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Why don't you come and see? Wow. Here is Jesus being described. If you want to talk about baggage from your past, one guy looks at another guy and says, Hey, we have found the one that Moses has spoken about. We have found the Messiah. We have found the one that has come for us. We found the one that he's been written about. He's Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And the thing said, wait a minute. Can anything good come out of that place? Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 16. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man. How much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go. For he's a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name. Oh, you catch that. To carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Here's a guy that when God speaks to, to his uh, disciple Ananias and says, here's what I want you to do, he says, wait a minute, I know that name. 
I've heard about that guy from many, many people. He is a guy who persecutes. He is a guy who kills. And, and here where we are, God, where you're sending me to him, he has the authority to bind me up to all those who call on your name. I know that name. And God says, he's been chosen to now carry my name. I could preach that one right there. That's not my message for today, but boy, I'm going to preach that one at some point. John chapter 18, verses 25 through 27. So we've got Jesus. We have Saul who became Paul. John chapter 18, verses 25 through 27. Now, Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, so they said to him, You also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I, I, I'm not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, uh, asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once a rooster crowed. Remember, he, Jesus actually told him, he said, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And then he said, but here's what's going to happen after that. Peter, oh, no, 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 I wouldn't do that. Peter stands and, and he's, he's at the fire. He's, he's there with some other folks. Jesus is in about to be tried, uh, about to be, be evaluated. And, and somebody looks over and says, uh, hey, you're one of those that were following this Jesus guy, and he goes, uh, who? Who? What, who? Who are you talking about? Me? No, not me. And the other guy could have said, wait a minute, bruh. <laughs> wait a minute. You cut my, my cousin's ear off. I saw you. You were with him in the garden, and you whipped out a sword, and you van gogh my cousin. You cut his ear off. He wouldn't have known Van Gogh is before it. <laughs> he was before Van Gogh's time, but y'all know wasn't me. Was not me. I didn't do it. So who are these three guys? We've got Jesus, who's a man from a town where nothing good originates. We have Paul, a man who persecuted and killed Christ's followers. And we have Peter, a man who walked with Jesus and then three times denied knowing him. All of us, people with a past, we're in good company. Because who are these three people? Jesus, the very Son of God and the Savior of the world. Paul, the writer of the majority of the New Testament. Peter, a man whose faith made a dramatic rebound, and catch this, he was the first of the apostles to see Jesus after the resurrection. Wasn't the first person, you know, because we saw the ladies there, but out of the apostles, you need to go back and read it and see. It talks about that he was seen by Peter and then the other apostles. Here's a guy who denied Jesus three times. But that Jesus had already called him out on it. Jesus had said, I know what's going to happen with you. You're going to deny me, and it, no, 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 I wouldn't do that. He says, look, <laughs> I'm the God of the universe. I know what you're going to do. No, 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 I would never do that. Yes, yes, you are. Let's get that straight. And then when it's over, and, and then when, you, when you've converted back, then I want you to go and I want you to feed my sheep. 
A man with a past. A man who came from a town that nothing good originated from told a man who was going to deny him, look, there's a plan for both of us. See, people, people will look. People will look and, and where are you from? Who's your parents? What do you do for a living? All of these things that people... Why? Because quite honestly, most of the time what we're doing in our minds is we're ranking people. So, well, but I'm also wanting to know, you know, if I know them or like, yeah, yeah, that, that's true. And part of the time what we're trying to figure out is if I know anything about them. Where are you from? Well, hey, I'm from, you know, down in Chilton County. Well, wait a minute, I know some people that live down there. Who do you... Who's your parents? What... What, have you always been from there? We start narrowing that. Oh, and then what happens? If you've ever been in that situation where then all of a sudden somebody says, well, yeah, I, I've got some family down there and it's this person. And you go, oh, huh, right. You know, you try not to let that come out because you just realized, oh, that, oh, he's kin to them folks that did this. He's, oh, your dad. Is, oh, oh. Yes, those of us with humble and even shameful beginnings are in good company. Yes, those of us who were antagonistic toward the things of God are in good company. Yes, those of us who have at times been unfaithful in our commitment to Christ, we are all in good company because we're in the company of the Savior, of the majority writer of the New Testament, and the one whom his faith and his belief, even God said upon that rock, I'm going to build my church. A little tagline popped in my head when I was thinking through all of this idea of baggage. You know, seeing the suitcase and, and thinking about baggage. And it was, it was, you know, in some of the few times where I've stayed in like a really, really nice hotel. It's only been a couple of times, but where I've stayed in a really, really nice hotel on a business trip, and, and somebody comes up and they'll say something to you. They'll say something when you're getting out of the car or when you're bringing your, your cart in. They'll say this phrase. They'll say, can I take your bag, sir? And that popped into my head when I was thinking through this idea of us having baggage, especially baggage from our past, because I want you to know that that man, Jesus Christ, essentially looked at us. God himself looked at us and said, can I take your bags? I want you to see this in Scripture. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7 says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties, I actually like that one. You know, there's a translation that says just casting all your cares. But I like this. Casting all your anxieties on Him. Why? Because He cares for you. That, that verse is basically God coming and saying, Look, take all of your baggage and throw it onto me. Because most of the time, baggage in the, in the sense of our past and things like that is something that brings anxiety on us. We're afraid someone might find out. 
We're afraid that someone will know and it will change their opinion of us. We're afraid our family will find out. We're afraid that our kids will find out. We're afraid that maybe somebody on our job will pray that somebody at church will find out that this is what I used to be or this is what I used to do or this is who my family is and that something will change. So we get anxious about those things. And he says, but humble yourself. Because oftentimes, while we believe that we are being very humble and, and all of this, the reason that we continue to carry some of the baggage is because we're too proud to lay it down. We're too proud about trying to protect it. And, and our, our belief is that somehow I will shield off people knowing about this. I will shield this. And so I will protect myself when yet what God wants us to do is He wants us to say, look, I recognize that I need to humble myself under the mighty hand of God. Listen, it doesn't just say the hand of God, the mighty hand of God. Why? So that at the proper time, even though I feel like I'm, I maybe get a little taken down a notch because that people know something about me, then over time God is going to exalt me when it is proper. And I'm going to cast all of these anxieties on Him. Why? Because the God of the universe cares for me. Not just your neighbor, not somebody across the street, not somebody on television that says, please send him $5 and I'm going to send you a book and, a, and a, an anointed handkerchief and all of this stuff, you know, and, and then you can, you know, I'm going to send you some, some holy water from the Jordan River and you can do something with it. I mean, all that stuff. That's not the kind of caring for you that he's talking about. He says, cast all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. 2 Corinthians 5, 16, and 17. We were, we were sitting um, when Caleb was playing Ultimate Frisbee yesterday, and, and um, I was sitting over there with some headphones on after I took a bunch of pictures and all that stuff, and I was working through the rest of my notes. And, man, I had to take them off and tell Michelle, say, hey, I've, I've got to share this verse with you that, that I've heard many times, but I've never thought about it this way because of the context of this message and using this verse in it. 2 Corinthians 5, 16, and 17. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard Him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. See, when you start thinking about baggage... And whether that defines who you are or defines who God wants you to be or defines who it is that God will make you into, I had to realize, man, this is what they're saying. They said, hey, we used to look at everybody based on their baggage. We used to look and we evaluated everyone and we regarded them. In other words, we gave them position or not, if you will, in our thought process. I either esteemed them or I didn't esteem them. That, that's regard. You know, if you show disregard for someone, it means you, you, don't, you don't give them any, any, any credibility. You don't pay any attention to them. But if you show regard for someone, hey, I show respect. And I, He says, hey, we decided about whether we were going to give you credibility, whether we were going to pay attention to you, whether we were going to listen to you. All of those things we used to do according to the flesh. 
That's the world. That's the world saying, who are you? Who's your dad? Who's your mom? What's your background? Where'd you go to school? How much money do y'all have? What size house do you have? What, what, all of these things that he wanted to go through. He says, that's how we used to regard people. In fact, he says, we even used to regard Christ that way. Well, we already saw that. We saw two guys talking. Guys says, hey, you need to come see the one Moses. He goes, could there be anything good that comes out of Nazareth? There is regard for the flesh. He says, but we don't do that anymore. We regard Christ thus no longer. Therefore, okay, so let's get these two tied together. This is what I've never recalled. He says, look, even though we used to regard you according to the flesh, in the same way, it's not that we were thinking about you less than anybody else. We did Jesus the same way. We thought about him according to the flesh. He came out of Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? But we don't think about him that way. So now... If you are in Christ, we think about you the same way that we think about Christ. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Why? Because we now recognize that we used to regard Christ according to the flesh, but we don't anymore. So if you stopped being in the flesh and became in Christ, you were crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, it's not you that lives, but it's Christ that lives in you. He says, so now then we recognize that you are something new because we used to look at you according to the flesh, but now we look at you through the lens of Christ. And you are now a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold... The new has come. Revelations chapter 21, verses 1 through 7. Man, why is it powerful that we are viewed through Christ? Revelations 21, beginning with verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne. You catch this. Here's another guy that was speaking first that said, Hey, behold, I want you to know that the dwelling place of God is no longer going to be up in heaven separated, but his dwelling place is going to be with man. He is coming down to be with you. You will be his people, and he will be your God. He's going to wipe away every tear. There won't be any more death. There won't be mourning, crying, pain, for all the former things have passed away. And then the one who was on the throne spoke. And he said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Listen to that. He said, behold, I am making all things new, not 
One day I'm going to make all things new. Not even at one point I made all things new. It was something that happened and started in the past but continues on. He says, I am making all things new. But what did we just see? What did we just see when we looked at this verse prior to that? From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Verse 5, And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down. Because these words are trustworthy and they're true. Trustworthy. They are worthy of your trust. I am speaking something to you that is true. You can bank on it. You can trust in it. Because I am the one who never changes. I am the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And behold, I am making all things new. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Baggage. I can hear the call of the Father and the Son proclaimed in magnificent volume in the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, Can I take your bags? But there's this problem. It's kind of like being at that hotel. I can promise you that the bellhop, which is what they're calling you, know, the bellhop that comes and he'll take your baggage. I can promise you he does not come over and, and when he says, can I take your bags? If you say, no, I got this. He doesn't say, Wait a minute, let me pull out my blackjack, hit you over the head, and take your bags, because I'm going to carry your bags. Right? It doesn't happen that way, does it? And you know what You know what we tend to do, honestly, in regards to something like that? We go, you know what, all the guys want is a tip. If I let him take my bags and we get up there, then i got to tip him, because that's what you're supposed to do. I don't want to tip him, I'll just take the bags myself. That's what they got this cart for. You know what, though, we start treating Jesus that way. I can't let him take my bags because if he takes my bags, he's going to want something from me. Oh, my goodness. He's going to expect something from me because now that he's taking my bags away, now that he's lighting the load for me, he might expect something from me. I'll just hang on to these myself because I don't want to have to give him what he wants. That guy is there. He's there to help carry your bags. But here's the thing, a lot of people just won't let go. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. 
I highlighted one little phrase there, let us also lay aside every weight. I remembered one of the first times I ever flew to Mexico for a business trip. Um, I, was, I was actually pretty young. I think I was about 22, maybe 23. I did not have a suitcase with roller wheels on it. Yeah, I didn't even know they, you know, really made such a thing. I, that's been a few. That's been twenty years ago, y'all, and uh, and so uh, I had to carry my bags through the airport, and I was going down there for for well, I mean, it was going to take a day to fly down, you know, make the trip, and then I think I was going to be there for about three days and then fly back. So I had to have like five days worth of stuff with me, and um, and it was one of the first times I'd ever traveled, so I probably packed too much, you know, not not knowing, and and so I and I had a laptop in a case that had to go with me, and I had some bags and laptop, you know, back then. It's not like now. You know, laptop was like, you know, that thick, it seemed like, and, and it was like carrying, you know, about four or five bricks in a, in a, in a suitcase, you know, with you. So I had, them, I had them draped bandolier style, you know, which is I, I had them over my head kind of like, like a guitar, you know, coming across this way. So I had one hanging this way, one hanging the other way, didn't have any way to roll them, and and I didn't, you know, I didn't really have much money uh, for sure at that point in time. We hadn't been married, you know, all that many years, about four years, and so even if I would have known that you could, you know, rent some type of little rolling thing, which I don't remember seeing 20 years ago, um, it wouldn't have happened. So I was going to have to carry them. Well, I'd never been to the Atlanta airport before, and so um, I didn't really understand and know that you're supposed to look for your you know, when, when you're going, you know, you go to one terminal and that's got Delta and American and some of that stuff in it. You go to a different terminal and it's got different airlines in it. Oh, I, you know, I saw a terminal. I went to a terminal. You know, I, I get out, get my stuff. I park. I'm in the, the, the long, you know, uh, parking that you're going to do, the extended stay parking or whatever. And so uh, I've got all these bags on me and, and I walk up there and I get to the to the sidewalk area, and, and I see all these people that apparently work for the airlines, and I said, hey, I'm, I'm flying on Delta, and they said, oh, you're at the wrong terminal. And I said, well, man, I've already parked, and I, what do I do? They said, oh, you're going to have to take that tram, you know, through, and you got a lot of walking ahead of you, son. Man, I had these bags hanging on me. I had that. I had that big old, you know, concrete block of a computer that's in a thing, and it's cutting in one side. I've got my bags and stuff, and I think if I remember right, I think I had two bags because we didn't have big suitcases. I had like a duffel bag and another bag, and my, and my, my, uh, my computer case. And man, I'm having to. I took every one of those little, you know, uh, I don't know what you can call those things. They're not escalators. You know, but the, the yeah, the fast walking things, you know, that you can get on and it's like a conveyor belt. And, you know, I was taking every one of those I could get on, you know, and, and, and try to rest. And, I got, and I'm trying to, because, you know, you got to take everything off to be able to set it down. And, and I, man, I was, and I was afraid I was going to miss my plane, you know, and all that kind of stuff. I'd never been. I thought this will be, I'll just ruin my whole career right here. I won't make the plane, you know, the whole nine yards. Man, I was hurting so bad. By the time, by the time I got to the, you know, to the to the uh, the gate where I was supposed to fly out of, because then I had to get there. I had to figure out where I was. I had all this stuff hanging on. I'm toting it, man. My shoulders were coming. Have you ever you ever been standing just in line in a store and you're holding something with your hand like this, 
and, and you think you're all right until you swap hands and go stretch out, and it's like having a Charlie horse. You know, I had it in my shoulders. I had it in my arms, everything, because I had all this baggage on me. And I carried it all the way through that whole airport. I think that's where some of us are today. I think we've been carrying some baggage for such a long time. We think we can't afford to lay it down. It's, it's just on us, and, and we've had it on us, and we positioned it the best that we could to try to make the best of our situation. And look, the crazy thing is, is I think sometimes that maybe the baggage that we have on us really isn't even rightfully ours. Somebody put it on us. You know, now if you go to the airport, they, they have this thing they, they always will tell you, and you'll see signs about it. And they even ask you when you're going through customs and all this, if you're going off, they'll ask you something. They'll say, have your bags been with you the whole time that you've been here? Yes, yes, ma'am. Has anyone given you anything for you to carry on board or, to, or put in? No, ma'am. I feel like I need to ask you that today. I feel like really what I need to say, instead of saying, has your baggage been with you all the time, is how long have you been carrying some of this stuff? How long have you been toting the baggage of your past, the baggage of, of what has happened, the baggage of your decisions, the baggage of, how long have you been carrying that and are you not tired? And then I would have to ask you, who gave it to you? Did anyone give you a bag that's not yours for you to carry? Did anybody give you something? You say, I don't understand. What are you telling? Did anybody tell you that you were something? Did anybody tell you you never could be something? Did someone tell you you're going to be just like your mom? You're going to be just like your dad. You're just like your brother. You're just like this other person. You're never going to amount to anything. You're going to make the same mistakes that this person made. It's like being at customs. Because the first thing that they'll do if you say, yeah, you know what, this bag right here, I didn't come here with this bag. It's not mine. But this guy walked up to me and said, here, you need to carry this bag. You know what they're going to do? They're going to take it from you. They're not going to say, oh, so you're willing to carry that bag for that guy? Well, yeah, I'm. Okay, all right, we'll go ahead and take that on the plane. You know why? Because they know that most of the time, the reason that someone comes and, oh, you need to get this. The reason that someone comes and gives you baggage is because they want it to cause damage. Nobody's giving you baggage to take onto a plane at Delta Airlines just because they're, no, it's something bad. For a lot of people, we haven't felt like we could put that baggage down. We felt like, I have to carry it. 
I've carried it for so long. There's a groove worn in my shoulder because that strap on that baggage has been just knifing into that for so long that that area has just grown calloused. It's, it's developed a dip. It just fits now. That baggage just, it, it, it just, saying, I, I guess I'm just used to it. I think the reason that God wants you to hear this message today is because you've forgotten what it's like to have that weight laid aside so that you can run and not be encumbered on this race of life. Strap has worn its place and you've kind of balanced it all out and Y'all know how you'll do if you if you got a bunch of stuff that you got to carry in the house, even groceries or whatever else, you'll kind of get it all balanced out where you can kind of go in and you got all kind of stuff and you don't put it all maybe in one hand. You try to balance stuff out. If you got to walk for a long distance or something, you'll get it shifted around until you kind of you're not you know off to one side or some of the baggage in our lives. We've got it shifted around to the point that we're kind of in balance with it. The problem is, is if you had to take off and run, you'd just be so slow because it's, it's so heavy. There's those moments. There's those moments where you hit certain times of the year. You hit certain anniversaries. You hit, you hit uh, something comes on television. It reminds you of something. It reminds you of a decision you made. It reminds you of someone talks about something and it triggers a, a memory. Sometimes you even smell something and it reminds you of an event, something that took place. And you feel the burden of that baggage. Today, all that I'm asking you is I'm asking you to hear our Father calling to you. I'm asking you to recognize that He has already paid the price through Jesus Christ that gives him the ability to offer us freedom from the baggage of our past. I'm not talking about you being saved. There are saved people filling the pews of churches around this country and this world that are so burdened down by the baggage of their past that their ability to run the race for Christ probably looks about like me that first week when I started trying to run. It was ugly. It was painful. It was slow. I felt like I was just plodding, trying to... But as the weight began, it got easier. Lay aside the weight and the sin that just so easily beset us. And let us run with endurance. Sometimes the weight of that baggage gets so heavy that you just don't feel like running anymore. You, you're struggling to endure because, Pastor, I can't. I can't even get one foot in front of the other. It's so heavy.
But have you been willing to put that baggage down and walk away from it forever? What guilt is holding you back? The guilt that, well, I'm the one that made the decision. I'm the one that made that choice. I'm the one that went down that path. I'm the one that whatever. I can't. I can't be free now. What guilt is holding you back? What sense of responsibility is making you wearily hold on? What has you bound up? Believing that you can't be set free from a debilitating past. So I was sitting there and I was finishing up these notes yesterday. I was I was over there in the tent and I, I was tearing up. And I felt for a moment, I I think maybe I felt like Paul did sometimes when he would write to the church. And, and I typed it out that way. I actually wrote this note for myself. That when I was writing, I thought, man, I feel like I'm trying to write like Paul, but but it's what I feel. My brothers and my sisters, through the charge given me by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I urge you, lay aside the weight and put down your baggage. Thank you.